Hello, this is Katherine Cunningham. Thank you for joining us for the Natural Intelligence Worldwide Podcast. When discussions on healthcare include AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning, many people raise their guard and advocate immediately for protecting our healthcare information from exploitation. As someone also concerned with cybersecurity issues around digital, financial, health, and personal information, I can relate to this fear. That said, I'm very inspired by the incredible advances in lifelong wellness that are possible when vast amounts of health data are unlocked and available for AI analysis and machine learning. Essentially, when health data, anonymously labeled, are entered into database and queried for certain conditions and analyzed for particular correlations, new health information arises that could benefit the entire health community. How? Unique profiles and patterns of health can be identified cause-effect relationships between preconditions and disease can be more robustly defined with higher confidence intervals when given more relevant high-quality data. Thus, more high-quality data actually helps lead to disease prevention. So we can create a positive feedback loop to the healthcare community when more people contribute to the database. The first question then becomes, does healthcare data with our providers in a digitally accessible, secure, so heavily encrypted environment with specific conditions on who has access to this information, i.e. our personal physicians, healthcare providers, and families only, would that catalyze greater health in society? And does that sharing of health information allow healthcare providers the ability to shift their roles to lifelong partners on the journey toward greater health and wellness? The next question for me is also, how does creating digital health identities for individuals and a digital platform for exchange between healthcare providers and patients, how does that open up telemedicine opportunities for those who have not been able to access healthcare in the past? This is not a small issue. In the U.S. alone, 44 million people have no health insurance, and another 38 million people don't have adequate health insurance. Globally, 3.5 billion people, so half of the world's population in 2017, don't even have access to basic health care. Now, it's true that these people also don't have access to the Internet, so we have a two-pong problem to solve. But let's imagine that as Hulan Zhao, Secretary General of ITU, the International Telecommunication Union, as he suggests in another NIW interview, that we can cover the other 50% in the next decade, then all of a sudden, digital healthcare and telemedicine opens up for the entire world. That's exciting. So, at the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, healthcare and technology designed for global good was a hot topic of discussion and remains important in the global dialogue. I was fortunate to have interviewed a few of the leading voices advocating for opening new digital doors to healthcare that are ethical, human-centric, and inspired by lifelong wellness. Jeff Dean is the Senior Fellow in Artificial Intelligence at Google. Sangeeta Reddy is the Chair of the Apollo Health City in India. And Franz von Houten is the CEO of Royal Philips. Let's hear what they have to say about the future and benefits of healthcare, including AI machine learning technologies and telemedicine. I am here with Jeff Dean. He is the new VP for AI at Google. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us what you're most excited about here in the, the field of AI and technology for good? Sure. I mean, I think in the last few years, we've really come a long way in the kind of fundamental techniques that we can apply for using AI for lots of different problems. And I think there's tremendous potential across many different fields for 
using AI in ways that really benefit people and humanity. I'll just rattle off a few examples. So one is at Google, we've actually been doing some work on using machine learning for much more accurate flood forecasting. And so trying to give very detailed assessments of given weather inputs and topographic maps and other kinds of information where flooding is likely to occur, how severe it will be at a scale that is actually much better than traditional flood forecasting, and then communicate that information to people who might be affected on their phone. That's, I think, one example. Another good example is some of the work that we're doing in the use of machine learning for healthcare-related problems. You know, we've been working in this space for about four or five years, and we're, we're particularly excited about how some of this work can improve access to care, because in many parts of the world, there just aren't enough physicians to accomplish certain kinds of tasks. And if you can have machine learning systems that make the doctors there more effective, we can actually spread better diagnostic care, improve the quality of care in many places. One example is we've been doing work in various Indian eye hospitals in collaboration with the Aravan Eye Hospital in India to explore the use of automated diagnostic techniques for diagnosing a disease called diabetic retinopathy. One of the keys to preventing this degenerative eye disease which can cause blindness if you don't catch it in time, is just regular annual screening. Because there aren't enough ophthalmologists, you actually want to make sure that people get screened, but that's just not possible with the current ophthalmologist to people who need screening ratio. And so this will enable us to screen more people and make sure that people get the care they need. And it's a very treatable disease if you catch it in time. So that's another example. In a lot of cases, what we want to do is give physicians time to spend with patients in a face-to-face manner and spend less time on kind of the documentation aspects of their job or the entering data into a computer while the patient is sitting there, which is not a great experience for the patient or the doctor. And really with technology, we think we can make that actually a better experience for the patient and the doctor and free up their time to get back to practicing medicine, which is the reason they went to medical school. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. Really appreciate having you. Thank you. I am here with Sangeeta Reddy, who is the managing director of Apollo Hospitals in India. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. Nice to be with you. So we were discussing all the opportunities that technology has to provide to the healthcare industry. Maybe you could just tell us a bit more about your Apollo technology. So Apollo Hospital strongly believes that technology can enable greater access to healthcare. It can help enhance quality of interactions, and it can definitely help bring down the cost by creating a convenient, available at the point of care when you need it. It's very simple. Consumerism is driving the way so many industries and sectors are transforming. It's time for healthcare to have the courage to adopt, to keep the patient truly at the center of what they're trying to do, and to be very, very committed to use appropriate and responsible technology in this transformation journey. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. We do approximately 2 million teleconsults a year now, but we treat 18 million patients. So by sequence, there's a lot of people coming into our physical environments. But we also know that India is a large country. We cannot reach everybody. So we use telemedicine extensively to be with them. We're partnering with the government to do e-emergencies in places which are inaccessible, like Himachal. 
We're working with the government to bring telemedicine into rural environments like the common service centers. We're looking at consumers who are used to using Apollo but who don't have to travel because even today in our high-end tertiary hospitals, 60% of our patients travel from a different location to come out seeking us. We've now created an app called Ask Apollo. You can find your doctor, you can book your appointment, you can do a video consult, you can store your personal health record. You can get a wellness prescription, and we will soon be introducing our ability to do condition management, say for diabetes or COPD, using the app. So there's a range of things that can happen because I believe that the new door or window to healthcare is the mobile phone. And when you walk through that door, I also believe that that door has to be partnered by or have at the door a medical team. So this is not a technology that a startup can bring in. And, and I mean, they're doing great technology, but are they doing patient-centric solutions which are responsible and ethical and appropriate? I believe that's what we're trying to do. We have created the app. We will connect devices. We will partner with technology companies and global physicians across the world to bring consumers something that was unavailable to them so far to transform the way they access care. And when you access primary care appropriately, you bring down the chances of having acute incidents and therefore you impact the overall cost of care. But most importantly, by being a health coach and a partner in people's health and wellness journey, you keep them healthier, you contribute to the country and hence to the world. It's time for change. It's time for new ideas. It's time for responsible technology. And it's also always the time to stay connected with mankind and humanity. I just have one question. It feels like with these new technologies that you're also able to change sort of our mindset about how we maintain our own health. Now we're moving away from a very cost-intensive crisis mode to prevention, as you're saying, that now we can create a relationship with our health community so you can consult throughout your life journey Absolutely. and maintain wellness instead of wait for a time when you've hit the wall and you finally have to make that journey, that physical journey to the hospital. Now you have health care. You absolutely got it, Catherine, and I completely agree with that that's exactly what we're trying to do, to build a proactive partnership so people stay healthy, react fast, and don't get into major health problems. And when they do, we're able to take care of them as well, but we wish everybody good health. Thank you. I'm here with Franz von Houten from Royal Phillips. Welcome. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. So this morning in your panel discussion, we were discussing adoption. An important part of adoption is that people understand that their health information that goes into new technologies that we can use, that that information is secure, that actually we give out information already to other institutions. Can you just elaborate a bit on the greater benefits of adopting these new technologies? technologies in healthcare and why we shouldn't fear engaging these technologies. Let's say connecting people to healthcare providers today is still an inefficient process where sometimes care is also delivered too late. Technologies can connect patients to therapies and providers in much better ways, for example, through telehealth. Sick people actually tell us, as we have done a study which is called the Future Health Index, that 
they very much like that because they know that it enhances their lifestyle. It gives them assurance that they're being better taken care of. They get information on how to better adhere to therapies. So chronic patients actually feedback to us that they would like to embrace technologies to enhance their, let's say, dealing with their sickness. At the same time, you see quite some paranoia in the world around, you know, oh, but what about privacy and so on. And for those people that are worried, I would say, let's draw the parallel between financial cloud applications, which we are all using, right? We are all doing our banking in the cloud. We use credit cards and so on. Credit card companies probably know much more about you than you would want, but we trust that because that has become a trusted system and we no longer worry about all the data being in the cloud. I would like us to do the same for healthcare. Only if we start making health data actionable and enabling care provisioning in care teams between primary care and tertiary care and family and friends and you as a patient and connect all that, we can really make a leapfrogging step in both healthcare outcomes and healthcare efficiency. I think privacy is something we can manage. Of course, it needs to be regulated, secure, but as I've just said, technology is available to do that. And I think it's ready to take off. And the more information that we have on patients in a global sense, the better able we're of course. to deliver the care. Of course, because once you start unlocking vast amounts of data, you can do analytics, you can do machine learning. We start discovering new insights in relationships between lifestyle and disease and which medication work. And then the whole healthcare system will become more efficient. So actually, I would say to advance healthcare, we need access to data and therefore we need to break the conundrum about, let's say, the worries around privacy and make sure that we can tap into healthcare data lakes so that we can advance science. And I think that's to the benefit of all. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome. Really appreciate it. Very good. Thank you for listening to our Natural Intelligence Worldwide podcast where we're committed to spotlighting intuitive vision, nature-inspired knowledge, and native wisdom in our world. You can find us at naturalintelligence.com forward slash worldwide. There, we have a growing portfolio of podcasts with world leaders on nature, sustainability, climate, and tech for good. Thank you for awakening natural intelligence in the world. Have a beautiful day.